Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Well, good morning. That's kind of hot, brother. They may think I'm yelling at them when I'm not quite yelling yet. Y'all like yellers? No? Some of you say no, some of you say yes. That's the problem with the church is nobody can ever agree, you know? I don't think I'm yelling, but my daughter does, but my wife doesn't, so that, you know, there's, they don't even agree. So if I start to get loud, it's not because I'm trying to yell at you. I'm going to move this out of my way here because I do like to walk when I talk. helps me kind of think. Um, I want to say thank you uh, for having me, for uh, Pastor Taylor letting me come and just share with you about what you're doing. Uh, in your giving around the world and uh, in partnering with Life Outreach International. How many of you know who James and Betty Robinson are? All right. I don't see any of these young people's hands. What's, what's up with that? Give you a website, lifetoday.org. How many of you know who Beth Moore is? All right. Beth Moore is one of our teachers. We promote, have uh, produced the uh, Wednesdays with Beth. Now it's Wednesdays in the Word where Lisa Bevere, Beth Moore... Um, Several other uh, great teachers, Bible teachers, uh, you know, they uh, teach each Wednesday. And then uh, the other days during the week, there's uh, more of a, uh, a talk show format with Life Today where we uh, spend time interviewing different individuals in the kingdom that God is using uh, to share their message, share their story, to inspire the body of Christ, uh, to recognize that God's still doing the same things that he does today that he did 2,000 years ago. He's still doing miracles. Uh, and so we want the body of Christ to be built up. So James and Betty Robinson. James Robinson was one of the, the uh, premier evangelists back in the uh, 70s and 80s. Uh, right, He was mentored by Billy Graham. Uh, they have uh, said that uh, by the time he was 30 years old, he'd preached to more people on the planet than any other person alive. So that's a little bit of his background. In 1980... Uh, he went through a, uh, he was Southern Baptist guy. He, Jerry Falwell was a very close friend of James. As a matter of fact, if you want to go do some research, James split Jerry's pulpit right down the center one time when he was preaching. And uh, when he came back, he said, James, you can't split this one because it's bulletproof. So, uh, you know, that was back during the Reagan days. James and, and uh, Jerry and all these guys were they're very, very, very close. And uh, James came and spoke uh, just a couple of years ago at Convocation. That's why my son's up here, by the way, because I was uh, uh, crazy or sensitive, whichever you want to call it, uh, grabbed some literature and took it back to him. He was just like a sophomore in high school, and I was thinking, you know, hey, uh, taking some information, spur him on, and I had no idea he's going to lock onto it like a pit bull on a stake, man. He, and Liberty is where he wanted to go, and so he's here, 13, 1,500 miles away from home, and you know, tearing his mom and dad's heart out every time he leaves, but uh, he's a great kid, and I'm so thankful, and, and uh, so it was coming to pick him up last year that I called Brother Willie and said, hey, I'd like to take you to breakfast and just get to get to know you because you give to Life Outreach and share what the ministry's doing. So back to that, what the ministry is doing, what you're doing, and I want you to understand that whatever we do, we cannot do without you. We are a ministry of our own. We're a television show. Uh, back in uh, 1984, James had a heart to to give into a feeding to to start a feeding program, 
and uh, he had no idea whether anybody else would participate or not. You know that the fastest way to kill a church is to have a missions conference. And uh, so some of y'all didn't get that, but if you grew up in the mission conference days, you would have. Um, so he started, we uh, began with Peter Pretorius feeding the first 5,000 kids uh, there in, uh, in South Africa in 1984. Today we feed 500,000 kids every day. And we couldn't do that without you. So I want you to, to understand that whether you've given to Water for Life or Rescue Life or whatever, we believe it's kind of like a mutual fund. You give into the whole. Everything we do, we do together. You have equity in it all. And, uh, you know, I want to remind you in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, the Scripture says, God is not slack. He does not forget the kindness you have shown to Him as you love His people and continue to love them. The greatest affection you can give to God is to love His people to love those people that He loves, that He died for, that He gave His Son for, right? That's what we've come to do. we come together to love the people. So today the ministry feeds 500,000 kids a day. This year we will uh, drill our 5,000th water well. That's because you gave. And each one of those water wells will, will uh, produce water for a minimum of 1,000 people. Some of them are much more than that because they're larger water wells. Um, when we started the water well ministry in 2000, there was no one drilling water wells. Now you can look around and there are hundreds of people drilling water wells and we thank God for that because we've seen the death rate in children 1 to 5 years old or 5 and under go. In 2000 when we started this ministry, the death rate was one child every 6 seconds. Today the death rate is one child every 20 seconds. The world's attention towards water has changed it by two-thirds. Isn't that exciting? That's a, that's a gift from God, folks, to recognize that just, just below their feet is an opportunity to change our lives. At the wells that we drill, we'll have a dedication. With every dedication, there's going to be a preaching of the gospel, and people are born again. In the first 30 years of James's ministry, they recorded two million conversions to Christ. In the last 20 years, we've recorded well over 20 million conversions to Christ. And that's that exponential growth. When you move outside of your own world and start investing in other people's worlds, start promoting other people's ministries and supplying other people's needs, James's greatest statement is, you want your prayers answered? Be the answer to someone else's prayer. Amen? So he spent the last 20 years promoting other ministries and investing into other ministries uh, name it, whether it's the Jesus film or whether it's Tommy Barnett's Dream Center. We were the first ministry to ever give to Tommy Barnett's Dream Center. We've supported the Dream Center for the last 20 years. Okay, Constantly giving every month. I can't even begin to tell you the millions of dollars that Life Outreach has given to various ministries that don't have anything to do with our everyday ministry of television. But it's because James cares and Betty cares. And so I just want to say thank you. Uh, our Rescue Life program began back in 2006, 2007 with our missionary partners in India. In Mumbai, India, the largest brothel in the world exists where there are 40,000 women and children enslaved. And I want to say it to you again. They are enslaved. They are not choosing to live that lifestyle. Sometimes it's hard for us to grasp that in America where we think the whole sex industry is kind of a choice. It's not that way around the world. These are 
children who come from impoverished families, from uneducated families, from families whose moms and dads have died from uh, some type of disease. Uh, and, and there is just an ample opportunity for uh, the black market to go in and scoop these children up, these young ladies, these young men. It's not a young lady incident only. Trust me, there are hundreds of thousands of young men that are being scooped up into these industries, whether they're sex trade or labor trades, makes no difference. They're all being, being trafficked as slaves. And so we began that ministry back in 2006 in that general area with our missionary partners of, in India, in Mumbai, India. We built, our, built a life center there that uh, was, uh, really worked with the, with the, uh, the Red Light District. Uh, Dave Raj was the, uh, the Bombay Teen Challenge, for any of you that may know that. And that's just grown exponentially. Uh, we moved with, uh, we didn't move from, we moved with. We have uh, additional, there's 14 life centers around the world that was started with uh, the Rwandan tragedy. And uh, how many of you remember the Rwandan genocide? Okay. Uh, ever, any of you ever seen the movie Hotel Rwanda? The children in that movie, the real children from that situation, went to live in our Fred Nkundan Life Center in Rwanda, Africa. Okay, And so that was where the first life center was built. Now we have 14 life centers around the world. And uh, many of them are specifically helping victims who have been trafficked or victims who are going to be trafficked if they're not rescued. So that's part of our rescue life is we reach out to communities to educate them on what's really going on. These really slick people come into town. They look good. They sound good. They're going to make you a promise to a, a grandmother whose uh, daughter or son have already died and they're, they're nurturing their grandchildren and they can't hardly feed them. And, hey, we can take your child and we can give them an education and we can give them a job and they'll be able to send money back to help you. And when they leave, with those individuals, they're never heard from again. And so we go into these communities and we not only set up feeding stations and water, uh, water uh, relief programs through the water wells, but then we work with government officials to disseminate information and really bring a light to the fact that human trafficking is happening in their, in their village. And then the life centers are there for kids that, can't, that are being targeted. Maybe a mom or dad's already been approached. They came forward and said, hey, uh, somebody's approached us, but man, we can't feed our kids. You know, they can go and live in the life center. Those children have the opportunity to live there till they graduate from high school or college, whichever they are, are bent towards if they go on to trade school. And uh, some of them can be adopted if we can find Christian families that will adopt them Then uh, in, in the country. We don't do adoption agencies outside of the country. So uh, our goal is to always keep children in their home culture. Okay? So... Rescue life, water for life, you guys are, are a major, major part of it. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of James and Betty and thank you on behalf of the missionary partners that we support. Amen? We could not do it without you. I want to bring with you this morning, I want to share with you the word. And if you'll open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, there's a historic verse that we always preach at missions conferences. And I was getting ready to go speak at a church that asked me to come and... and um, the Lord showed me a, a, a piece of that scripture that I think we don't really grasp or recognize or emphasize in the church. And we're living in a day and an age where the world is enamored with a lot of different things. The church is enamored with a lot of different things. 
The world is enamored with knowledge. We've never had a faster growth in knowledge or technology. It's propelled by greed. It's fearful of destruction. Everywhere you go now, in every country, there's fear of terrorism. There's fear of, of, of um, uh, identity theft. All these things that are going on. Financial ruin. How many of you know the, the, the stock market? You know, I mean, it's a constant teeter-totter. They're blinded from truth. God's house, the church, was established. 1 Timothy 3.15-16 says that we were established to be a pillar of truth, a foundation of truth in the world. That's why we're here, folks. We're here to be able to be that buoy in rough waters. We're here to be that anchor in troubled seas. And when the church can't get to a place that it agrees on, on the most basic fundamentals of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ourselves are in trouble. And you know as well as I do, if you watch anything that's going on in the whole church world, there's all kinds of doctrines going. And Peter and Paul and John, they all said there will be every wind of doctrine that will come. Test the Spirit, right? So it's not enough anymore to just say I'm Christian and go to church. You better be in the Word. You better make that Word a part of your daily life and understanding it. Uh, Timothy was, Paul t- uh, charged Timothy to be a, a student of the Word, right? To, to uh, be a right divider of the Word. Show yourself a student. Get in there. Read it. Digest it. Not one part of it, the whole thing. Amen? So as we think about the fact of what we're supposed to be, God's Word declares that it is set apart. When the world wants to relegate religion, wants to relegate Christianity, wants to relegate the Word all to the, to the platform and the, and the annals of time, saying well, it's just another self-help. It's okay if that's what fits you, but it really isn't for everyone. We're just kind of made to be on par with all the other self-help programs out there. The Word of God separates us from everyone else, from everything else. The Word of God is established. God said His Word will not pass away. God said every man will be proven a liar, but His Word is true. It's a shield to those who believe in them. David said, I will not sin against you, Lord, if I hide your Word in my heart. Right? You want to know how to overcome temptation, overcome the tribulation of life, overcome the the, the trials and all the things that are going on, put the Word of God in your heart. He says His Word will stand forever. Every man proven to be a liar. It's with His Word that John says He fastened the heavens and the earth together. It's the Word that He brought and made flesh the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Word, God has given us great and precious promises through Christ, the ability to become partakers of the divine nature. It's through the Word that we're able to be born again. Amen? Through the preaching of the Gospel that creates faith in our hearts so that we can accept the Son of Christ. We know that the Gospel message is foolishness to those that don't believe. We know that the Bible does not make sense if you just... Look at it through natural eyes. 
But when the Spirit of God that He put in the earth is a promise that He'll be here to lead us in the truth and to comfort us, amen? When that Spirit of God begins to deal with your heart because the Word of God is being preached, because the church is a foundation and a pillar of truth, because we're speaking clearly the one message of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, then people can find hope in all of their despair, in all of their troubled times, in all of their brokenness, in all the death that surrounds them, in all of their failing to recognize that that all the knowledge in the world is not going to fix the problems. How many know that that's not the answer? Knowledge. And so we come with this word in our heart and proclaim it with passion, with conviction, And we need to hold true to the Word of God. And so this morning, I just want to to really challenge you. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, and I'm going to give you several other scriptures, but Paul and Peter, both throughout the the epistles, Paul and Corinthians and Thessalonians and Peter and 1st St. Peter, they constantly made this statement, I want to remind you. I want to remind you. I'm not here to give you something new. I'm here to remind you of something that's true. Something that has been established, handed down by the prophets and the apostles, given to us by God. It is not open for private interpretation. It's not a, hey, well, I feel like this means that, or I feel like this means that. What was the intent? When God wrote it through the apostles, He had an intent. If I write a letter to my son, that that letter has an intent with it. I'm, it's not for you to go, oh, well, I think he meant that. That's, that's for your poetry class. Okay? And you know how frustrating that can be because everybody sees that different. All right? What's the intent of the author when he wrote the book? We need to be students of it to get that intent down in our heart and begin to proclaim it. But I want to remind you of those intents today. And in Matthew chapter 28... I think they're going to pull it up there. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version just because it's easier for for me when I preach around. There's there's so many variety of versions out there. If you want me to preach, I'll go get my phone and bring up the 500,000, you know, that that are there in U version. Matthew 28, 19. In the last passage, Jesus makes this statement, All authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Do you believe that this morning? That He is still Lord over all things? That He is King over all things, including our government? So the answer to the the problems of the church today, the answers of the problems of the nation today is to remind them that Jesus is still Lord. And that if we'll seek His kingdom, what does He promise? That He'll provide for us, right? And so we as a church need to remind the nation, seek the kingdom. Jesus came saying, seek the kingdom, right? It wasn't a popular message. It wasn't the message of the day. But it was His message. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness and everything you have need of will be added to you. He said there in that same passage in Matthew chapter 6 where the disciples said, Lord, teach me to pray. He said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. That should be our desire, friends. That should be the message of the church that we encourage people to seek first the kingdom of God and pray that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That God would establish His kingdom in the earth just like He has promised He will do. And it's one of the, it's one of the primary reasons that I'm here today and that the burden that God's put on my heart. Because with all the, 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 the failure to, to be a, a, an anchor for the world and a pillar and a foundation of truth, I'm hearing all these wind of doctrines about whether or not Jesus is coming back in September or whether He's coming back in 2050. I just want to ask you, do you believe He's coming back? That's the first... Let's just get that resolved. Because I'm convinced, friends, there's a lot of people in the church who do not believe in a physical return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we've relegated it to, to some idea that it's some cosmos or that it's some kind of spiritual thing out there, that he's a hologram, that, you know, that it's all ghost and, and, and we're just kind of floating around. Can I remind you that this same Jesus that went away, that he spent 40 days with the disciples eating and drinking? But he's also the same Jesus who passed through doors, who appeared to disciples on roads. It's a supernatural body that's not controlled by the physical elements of this earth. But it is a very real, very physical Jesus. We need to be clear about that message in the church. We need to remind the world that we don't talk about a man who is dead. We don't proclaim a, a, a message about a Savior who died. We proclaim a message of a Savior who died and rose again and was witnessed in the earth. Not by one man, not by two men, not by twelve men, but more than 500 people for 40 days spent time with our risen Savior. I want to remind you of that truth, that promise. Do you know why it's so important that Jesus rose from the dead? Because it gives us hope that we too will not just see corruption. That's what the book of Peter and the book of Corinthians talk about and, and when Paul wrote that we're going to be changed, we're going to be renewed, that everything that is, that is now corruptible has to take on incorruption. Everything that is perishable has to take on imperishability. We're talking about an eternal existence with an eternal God who has shed His love abroad on us, who's given us this hope. And the message of the church cannot change, friends. We have to proclaim that Jesus Christ is alive and well and that He's coming again. Young people, many of you here at Liberty University and you're trying to find yourself, and I get that. Gone away from home, making your faith your own, trying to figure out where you fit in the great big world. Maybe for some of you, your faith has really been mom and dad's faith. Maybe you're not even really sure of the things that I'm speaking to you about. I have a son here. I'm not speaking to a crowd I don't know anything about. I want to really emphasize to you, you better get this and you better lock it down in your heart. 
If you're going to make a difference in the world, this is the only difference that makes a difference. It's the only message that changes. You want to see an end to racism? You want to see an end to slavery? You want to see an end to hunger? You want to see an end to disease? Go back and search history. The church has led the way all the way. The greatest hospitals in the world, established by the church. The greatest universities in the world, established by the church. The greatest humanitarian efforts in the world, established by the church. Why? Because the message of the church is that God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And that same Son commanded us in this same passage, go into all the world. Preach the Gospel. Make disciples. But I want to remind you, the last statement He made in that passage is, I will be with you to the end. Friends, there is an end coming. I don't know if it's in September. Maybe. I'm hoping. I've seen enough tragedy in this life. I've walked through the streets of Mumbai. I've walked on the pavement. Well, there wasn't any pavement actually. It was just a dirt road in Phnom Penh. And had pimps try to get me to buy children. I have walked in the graves where mothers are burying their children because of waterborne disease. I've seen enough tragedy in the world and in our own nation. I'm ready for him to come back. But until he comes back, I'm going to keep doing this one thing because if you go and you look there in John chapter 4 when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well and the disciples came to him and they said, you know, Master, you need to eat. He said, I have food to eat you don't know anything about. Well, did someone bring you food? He said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to complete his work. That's why he taught us to pray there in Matthew chapter 6. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Are you living that life to where you're really saying, Lord, not my will be done. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. My food is to finish the race. My food is to do the will of the one who called me. My will is to be a disciple maker. My will is to be a proclamator of truth and to be established in the world, to be an anchor so that the people around me can at least see something that they can believe in that is consistent and doesn't change with every wind that blows. How many of you are tired of seeing your friends just kind of, man, they're over here one day and then they're over here? You young people have seen it. Who's the latest, greatest teacher? What's the latest, greatest rock band? Just blown left and right. What about that straight line? Just walking out what we believe in a manner that people around us who are hurting can say, man, I know somebody. I know somebody I can go to that when everything around me is shaken, 
They're concrete because they're established in the one who is immovable and unchanging. See, I don't talk to you about these things from just a biblical standpoint. And I can't tell. i got plenty of time. i still got a whole other 30, 40 minutes here. I'm doing good. I might get from past the first period. I grew up rodeo, and I know it probably doesn't look that way. When, when, when I'm not dressed like this for you, I'm dressed in boots and jeans all the other time. Brother asked me today about the Cowboys and whether I was a Cowboy fan. I grew up when the Cowboys were the real Cowboys, when there was a Tom Landry and a Two Tall Jones and a, and a, and a Randy White and a, and a Roger Stahlback. And, you know, the days when those were the glory days. And, and you know, now we got guys who are whining at, about breaking their finger when they make $50 million. I'm like, guys, are you kidding me? I can take you down to the stockyards and show you 100 guys that will strap onto a bull and break an arm for 50 bucks. You know, and you're going to whine about, you cut it off and play ball. You know, <laughs> cut off the thing that offends you, right? But several years ago, I, when God saved me, he took me out of that culture and that lifestyle for a long time because that was a very rough, very drug-infested, alcohol-infested uh, environment that, that I needed to get out of. But through the process, the Lord has brought me full circle. And I started a program several years ago called the Western Heritage Foundation. And it's designed to use Western sports, agriculture, and, and, and those things to, to really mentor young people, to be successful in the arena and out of the arena, uh, to give kids who are kind of not bent towards the normal sports a, a, an environment to come and be around animals because the Bible says that all that can be known about God can be seen in creation, right? And I believe that part of the reason we're so easy to moved away in our culture from the creation, from God, is because we moved away from creation. we got too much concrete and too much glass, and because of that we've failed to see the mystery of life and death. Okay, And so I'm telling you this because I want you to understand, I'm not just a guy standing up here telling you what you need to go do. I do it on a daily basis. I mentor 40 to 60 kids a week, every week. I spent 27 weekends, three days a week last year, working with kids outside of going to church and outside of touring with the ministry and doing all that I do. So I'm just saying that not to toot my own horn, but to tell you that you need to be involved. You need to invest your time into people because the kids who come to me, their moms and dads are divorced. Their friends are hooked on drugs or pornography, or all of the above. Their dad just died and families asked me to do a funeral, or they're coming because they're failing and they can't get help at school. Whatever it is, whatever their need is, they come because they see something that is unchanging. And I'm unchanging because I am anchored to the one who is unchangeable. You get that? And as you're anchored to the one who's unchangeable, I promise you, if you'll make yourself available, there will be thousands of people who will look for you in this world. They want to be with someone. And it's not just young or old. The guy I grew up with, several of the guys I grew up with, now part of my coaching staff, they came because their lives were destroyed. Drugs, alcohol, divorce, 
remarriage and divorce again and remarriage and divorce again and all those things. Why? Because all they see in my family is stability. And it's not because I was raised in stability. I was the most broken of anyone I know. I can compare the list, the, the litany of, of brokenness with anybody. But God changed me. Beloved, do you know that's the message? That God changed me? These are the truths that the church cannot afford to give up on. We're living in a, cho- in a culture right now putting so much pressure on the church to, to, to just accept everybody as they are, to not have any type of message that requires us to, to, re- to wrestle with our humanity and to surrender to a God who can change us and desires to change us. We as a church cannot afford to have that message because it makes us just like everybody else and everybody else is broken. We have to have the message that the one who made us has a will. And if we'll surrender to it, it's his job to work in us his good pleasure. How many of you know in Romans 8, 28? Everybody can quote that verse, right? Can you quote 29? 30? He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For those he's called, he's also predestined. And those he predestined, he also conforms to the image of his Son. We are predestined for the conforming of our lives to his Son. For those that he has called, conformed, predestined, he's also bringing glorification to. We're becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm not supposed to be me. I'm not supposed to be like I was. I'm supposed to be on a journey to become like Him because it's in Him the Father said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the goal, folks, is to become more like Jesus every day. And if we have a message that is losing its power to speak to the world about a transforming gospel, about a transforming God, then we've lost our ability to be a pillar and foundation of truth in the world. We're just like everyone else. See, He promised us that He's going to be with us. He promised us then that no matter what we go through, whatever trial or tribulation we go through, He's with us. Friends, right now in this room, if you do not know Him, Jesus is as real and alive to me as you are. I can tell you the day I met Him. I can tell you this morning I've talked with Him. I can tell you that all day today as I go throughout my life and I need to have answers to questions, I'm going to be communicating with Jesus. Some people think, well, that's schizophrenic. Man, not when you know He's alive. Not when you know He rose from the dead. See, if He's just another dead guy out there, then yeah, that kind of makes me like all those other people that you see on TV. But when you recognize, now this is a very physical Jesus who's gone away to a very physical kingdom standing next to a very real and physical God or spiritual God, whatever that looks like, I don't know what it looks like. But what I know it doesn't look like is some kind of ghostly floating around out there because the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that that same physical Jesus ascended 
And that same physical Jesus is going to come back again. And it says there in Peter that he stands at the right hand of the Father, right? Making intercession. Hebrews, making intercession for us. This is a real, supernatural kingdom that we're a part of. It's not a flannel board. It's not a hologram. It's not a, a, a computer program. It's a very real, physical world, just like the one you're in now. But it does not perish. It does not fade. It does not spoil. He said clearly, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt or steal or destroy. He said that you've been given precious promises that make you divine partakers of the divine nature in a kingdom that, an inheritance that can never fade. That's what we want to know, that the same Jesus that went away promised us he's with us today. He's here. If you show up for this service that our sister was talking about earlier, you're going to meet him here. You go to your dorm room and you lay your bed down on that be- your head down on that pillow and you seek him, the promise is you will find him. He's not out there trying to keep himself from you. He's trying to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to be in relationship with him. That's the point of the gospel to tear down the barrier between you and Him and make it a life of of intimacy and relationship in this life and in the life to come. That is the message. And friends, we cannot allow that message to fade. (coughs) Excuse me. See, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I go away and I'll prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again to take you to be there with me. Do you believe that? Because the same Jesus that made that statement is the same Jesus who died for you. And if you can't trust that statement, if you can't believe that He said, I will go and prepare a place, I will come again and I will take you there to be with me, then what makes you think his blood was good enough to buy your sins? Because he's just another liar like everyone else. But if he is true, if what he says is unchangeable, then he was worthy to buy my sins. And I can trust that when he said he will go away and prepare a place and come again, and when he says in... Revelation, behold, thank you, sister. I come, I come quickly. You can trust that. See, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul talks about it. In the epistles of Peter, Peter talks about it. James talks about it. John talks about it. They all talked about it. About the coming of the Lord. And so... Kind of where we started this message, I want to go back to remind you. Jesus is coming. I don't know when He's coming. I know there's a lot of things that would tell me that, man, the world is getting darker and time seems to be getting shorter. John said in his epistle just before Revelation, he said, Beloved, we not only live in the last days, but we live in the last hour of the last days. I want you to understand time is shorter today than it's ever been before us. 
And if you can't wrap your mind around the fact that maybe that trumpet's going to sound and that cloud is going to be rolled back and the dead in Christ are going to rise and those that, are, that remain will be caught up with Him in the air, then wrap this around your mind. Your life is a mist and a vapor. One way or another, if you're in Him, He's coming for you. And beloved, that gives the world a lot of hope to realize that it's not just about what we see today because who wants this to be the end? Has this been so good for everybody that, man, you're... Whoo! That was a party. Glad to have been. Too tired to go on. There's so much more. So much more. That's your promise, guys. That's, that's the promise of the One who came for you. I've gone and prepared a place. It's an imperishable place, incorruptible place. It's beyond anything you can ever hope or imagine. It's so awesome that you're going to want to be there with me forever. People go, what are we going to do there? Are we Are going to get bored? Really? You're not going to get bored. This precious Savior has given us a precious message to a hurting world that He is coming again. That He is with us now. He's going to be with us through all the struggle that life may, may yet hold. But He is going to come and take us away. He is going to prepare a place for us right now. The place that we can live with Him for eternity. And here's another mind blower for you. He's actually going to set that thing up right here on this earth. That's one people don't like to talk about. For a thousand years, the kingdom of God will reign on this planet. If you cannot believe that, then don't believe that he can die and save you. Because Jesus is the one who said it. He's made it very clear. These are the truths of the church, friends. These are the things that make us different than every other message out there. It's not about you being the hero of your own story. It's about Him. He's the hero of the story. He's going to rescue you. What little girl doesn't want to have a hero? Doesn't want to have someone show up on the scene that sweeps them off their feet and makes them feel special? We are the bride of Christ. We, the church, the people of God, are the bride of Christ. And He will not be unfaithful to us. He's going to show up. He's going to rescue. He's going to take authority. He's going to establish dominion on the earth. And we get to be partakers of it. I don't know when, but I do know how. And the Bible says that we are going to be changed. See, He's changing me today. But I am not yet what I am going to be when I see Him. I'm going to be made like Him, is what Paul says. The corruptible is going to put off and be exchanged for incorruptible, for eternal. I'm going to live in a kingdom with a king who has always got my best interest at mind. 
Beloved, that is a message the world needs to hear. When they can't trust who's going to be president, who's been president, I don't care what your opinion of the president is, none of them have held a candle to the king of kings. None of them have ever put you first like the king of kings has. I used to tell people all the time, you know, this isn't about you. You need to get over yourself. And then one day I realized, no, you know what? It's all about you. The whole message is about you and you and you and you. Individually. He loves you enough to die for you. He loves you enough to call you friend. He loves you enough to make you a child of God. He loves you enough to build you a kingdom to live in and with Him. And moms and dads, He loves you enough to rescue your children no matter where they are. I learned a long time ago, and I've got three amazing kids. All of them love Jesus. I hope some of you guys have an opportunity to get to know my son. Gifted. But I learned a long time ago I can't keep his heart for God. All I can do is show him the Father. Be honest about my weaknesses because I got more of them than anybody I know. I'm not playing games. He knows that. Still got a lot of room to grow. But I learned a long time ago that the one who saved me loves me enough to chase my children to hell and back to save them because he says you and your whole household will be saved. And I stand on that. Moms, dads, do not let go of that truth. Do not let go of that truth. You don't live by what you feel. You don't live by what you see. You live by what is proclaimed. You live by the truth. Amen? It'll set you free from worry. It'll set you free from the guilt of your own failures and the way that you feel like maybe you didn't do it good enough. It'll set you free from the shame. If your kid's out there running amok, spouses, it's the same way. I learned a long time ago, I can't keep my wife's heart. She can't keep my heart. I have to do that. But if I'm keeping my heart close to him, I'm going to keep my heart close to her. That same Jesus will rescue your marriage. He'll rescue your finances. He'll rescue your home. Still healing. Do you believe that? You still proclaim the gospel of healing? Still proclaim the gospel of deliverance that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood but principalities and powers and rulers in dark places but he still has authority over all of those things? This is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been given this great, powerful message. It's a mystery. And we've been given the opportunity to reveal it. And I'm here today for this one purpose, to challenge you not to let it go. Don't let it be compromised. Don't let it be 
relegated to something else. Don't let it just become another message of a thousand messages out there. Let it be the power of God and the salvation in you, and you become an anchor that the world needs. Amen? You'll bow your heads with me and close your eyes. You might say, John, I really, 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 really need Jesus to show up on the scene for me right now. I have some major burdens that I don't have any answers for. I need him to show up. Would you just lift your hand and let me pray for you? Lord Jesus, you see. You see right here, right now. You see these that you love. You made them the promise, Lord, that you would be with them. You made them the promise, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would come as a comforter and a leader in the truth. Remind them now, Jesus, you see them. Remind them now, Lord, that you love them. That you are not going to leave them or forsake them. That the one who began the good work in them is going to see it to completion. Let your heart be comforted right now. Be reminded that he cares and that he will meet your need. He loves you. Hear me. He loves you. Maybe you're in the room today and you're saying, Brother John, I have kind of allowed myself to forget these truths and just kind of gone through the motion with church. I'm not sure if I even believe all that you've said, but I'm sure willing for that same real Jesus to begin to speak to me again and convince me of the truth. If that's you, would you just be honest? Would you just lift your hand and let me pray for you? Lord, you see them. Right here, right now, in this room, those that are faithful enough to say, I am struggling with some of these things that you've said are truths, and I am willing for you, Lord Jesus, to speak to me about those things. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the Spirit of God that dwells in us would begin to speak to them and bring the word of truth alive. I pray that they would get in the word, that they would begin to read, that they would study the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, Lord God, but one that is dependent on you to make your message to your people real to them. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.